Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Dodger Dudes Show with former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and his Sandlot buddy Josh the Duker Luke. The Dodger Dudes talk Dodger baseball, Sandlot stories from their youth, and share what it's going to take for the Blue Crew to win the World Series. Don't forget to answer our weekly poll question and fan poll on Twitter and Facebook. The Dodger Dudes Show is part of the Believe Sports Network online at BLEAV.com. The Dodger Dudes believe in the Dodgers. Do you believe? Welcome back to the Dodger Dudes with Brett Tomko and Josh Luke. We are your co-hosts. We are excited here today to record episode three, and we're excited because we have our first ever special guest, Dodger uh, alumni. Is the only hint I'm going to uh, hint I'm going to give you at this point. But we're going to start this show like we do every show. We're going to ask Brett to put us on the mound for those of us who didn't get to live the dream of of playing in the big leagues. Brett, today's on the mound. I want you to think back to the question I have is. At what point, how many batters into a game did you know if you had your stuff that day? Was it one batter? Was it two or three? Give me an example of when you knew. Yeah, sometimes when you're warming up, you kind of have a sense. But, you know, that first batter comes up, you you have an idea if your stuff's there or not. I can think back. There was a game um, 2005 in San Francisco. Great day. Um, day game, sunny, 70 degrees. You know, middle infielder, kind of a weak hitter comes up, you know, little weak ground ball to second base. I knew right there, I'm like, dude, there's no way these, this team's going to beat me. And I ended up throwing seven innings, uh, gave up like one run. So there's sometimes the first batter of the game, you know, like I got these guys. So, so who are you playing that day? Um, we're playing the Cubs. And actually it was uh, Jerry Harrison Jr. <laughs> that <laughs> was the first batter. And, and I mean, it's a perfect segue. Our, our special guest is Dodger alumni, Jerry Harrison Jr. Welcome to the show, buddy. Uh, well, hey, it's good to be on the show. I don't remember this game, by the way. Oh, I, I, I looked I, it up. I, I looked it up yesterday. What a way to greet our first guest, Todd, <laughs> right. to, uh, to have I mean, Brett tell uh, that story. Yeah, it was over three. Jerry, I mean, for most everyone knows Jerry, but Jerry, um, uh, big leaguer, nine different teams, um, part of a three-generation family, uh, grandfather Sam, dad Jerry, uh, Scott, his brother, and, and your uncle um, so he's been around the game a long time. He's the he's the host of uh, the pregame and postgame for Sportsnet LA. Just an all around good dude. Good dude. So we're we're excited to have you on the show, Jerry. Well, good to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, the thing we want to talk about is uh, is is the matchup this weekend. Um, the last time two uh, teams that re- reached 80 games first um, the Dodgers and the Yankees they met in the World Series and, and that's what we're going into this weekend is the Dodgers and the Yankees do you think that's a possible World Series matchup that's a, about to happen this weekend well I hope it is I hope it'll be a kind of a preview uh, to a World Series I know Major League Baseball wants it I know the fans would love to see it I know there's fans in Houston that wouldn't want to see it or, or Cleveland or Chicago but uh, if you're a baseball fan, uh, if you live in L.A. or been a Dodger fan, obviously if you're a Yankee fan, you would love to see both your, both these teams in the World Series because I think for just pure entertainment, uh, pure excitement, you have guys that hit, hit, hit the ball an awfully long way, whether it's Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge uh, for the Yankees, or on the flip side, you got Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie, uh, Jock Peterson uh, for the Dodgers. So 
I think both both teams have a, a pretty good shot to get get to the World Series, and hopefully, uh, uh, they they both get there because it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. So go, ahead. go Josh. Go ahead. Josh. I was going to say you brought up a name that Brett and I were just talking about yesterday. Um, and that's Max Muncy. I'm a huge fan of Max Muncy. I watch every game. I watch the pre and post game, Jerry. That's how I've gotten to know you and and what kind of a fan you are and what a great host you've become. Um, Max, five straight home runs, five straight games with home runs. And, and Brett made a comment, Josh, I think that's the guy. And, you know, I've, I've been saying the same thing, which is Muncy's always there. And when I've heard you guys talk about him and, and about his dad, he's one of those players. And I, and I saw a lot of these, you know, watching my brother come up through the game, they're students of the game and where their dads are coaches. And, and one thing I love about Max is if the umpire misses a call, he knows it. They know it because Max is a student of the game. Where does Max fit in? Brett and I were just saying he might be the MVP of the team because some of those other guys are up and down. What are your thoughts on that? Well, Max Muncy, no doubt, has had an incredible year, not just this year. You know, he really uh, took the, 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 the league by storm last season and uh, his, I guess you could say his rookie year, but his first year with the Dodgers. And he really had a great year. And then, you know, some would have probably guessed that he possibly had a, would have a sophomore slump, but I think he's been better this season. You know, he's asked to do a lot of things. He plays a little second base, plays some first base, a third base at times to spell Justin Turner. But I think the most important thing is most nights he hits behind Cody Bellinger. And Cody right. Bellinger is the MVP in the National League. But, Brett, you know, as a former pitcher, you know, it's so important. When you look at a lineup, you probably target maybe two, maybe three at the most guys. You say, these guys can't beat me. Well, Cody Bellinger would be number one. But then you got man, I got to pitch to Cody because Max Muncy's behind him. Oh right, you know, yeah, for sure, and, and it's for sure. So important. Yeah, because it, uh, it's so important to have guys like those guys in your uh, lineup. You look at the lineup and you think I got to keep these first couple guys off base because I got to go through Bellinger and I got to go through Muncy. And that's you know, as a pitcher, you're trying to set your game plan up. But those two guys back to back, it's tough because Bellinger's he's having an unbelievable season. And and you're right, you know, he he could very well be the MVP of the National League, but. But Muncy's putting together an unbelievable season. And Josh and I were talking yesterday, and we just – I kept saying, dude, I can't get over Muncy. Like, it's one of those guys, he's been doing it night after night, but there's so much emphasis on Bellinger that, you know, he's – I don't know if he's getting that, like, national exposure and, the, and I think the press that he should be getting. Yeah, because he is, he's kind of like that quiet assassin. And Cody Bellinger's the flashy guy. You know, he, you know, he – has tremendous speed, tremendous power, can play right field, can play first base, gold glove caliber defender, wherever you play him. And, you know, he's been in the home run derby. The guy like Max Muncy, who also has been in the home run derby. I remember, I remember last year, guys, I was at uh, the home run derby in, in D.C. I was with Rick Ankiel and, and Jason Marquis. And both those guys asked me, what do you think of Max Muncy? This guy was the real deal. And I said, believe it or not, I, I think he has staying power. You know, you, you have guys that will have a good year and then they fade off, you know, a year or two. You never hear from, uh, hear from them again. But a guy like Max Quincy, I really study his swing because it reminds me of Charlie Lau, the old uh, White Sox hitting, hitting coach. He has very similar uh, mechanics to what Charlie Lau taught, especially for left-hand hitters, a flat bat. Uh, you know, you have that start off 50-50, then get the 60-40 on your backside. If you can lift up your leg, your front leg, it's great to add a little power. And then get through the zone with the flat bat uh, with some power. 
and, and some emphasis on swing and back to 50-50. So 50-50, 60-40, then finish your swing 50-50. And that's what Max Muncy does. My dad tried to do that. He was a successful hitter. Uh, George Brett did it in the 80s. Max Muncy is definitely a throwback type of guy. I said on Twitter yesterday that he reminds me also uh, of a shorter version of Jason B- Giambi. <clears throat> we'll yeah, take, the, hey, take his walks. That's a great, that's we'll a great comparison. Walks. Yeah, he definitely will take his walks and has power to off field. So if, if Cody Bellinger is the MVP uh, of the National League, I think, you know, Max Muncy is the second uh, MVP for the Dodgers this season. I, I like that. I like that a lot. So, hey, uh, Jerry, I got another question for you. Being a stolen base guy, I know, you know when in your playing days, a uh, couple of years where you were in the 20s, when Dave Roberts, when Doc was hired, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to see a little speed. I mean, I'm the guy that sits on the couch and watches every game. And surprisingly, um, the, one of the first trades the new gyms made was they, they got rid of D. Gordon literally within weeks of taking over. And, and we really haven't ever acquired a guy that's, quote, unquote, the speed guy. And, of course, Dave's um, his, his you know, career-defining moment was stealing a base to, to lead them to the World Series. So is that by design or is that just a, a personnel uh, a result of the personnel that we have. We have some guys that can take a bag, but there's just not that guy who's there to do it. I think it's the personnel. Uh, you know, when you have a guy like D. Gordon who could steal 40, 50 bases, you're going to turn him loose. But the Dodgers don't have that guy. You know, you look at down the line, only a couple guys have speed. You know, Cody Bellinger is a stolen base threat. I think he'll be in the double digits, possibly around 15 to 20 home or excuse me, 15 to 20 stolen bases uh, at the end of the year if he runs. And CT3 has an opportunity to steal a lot of bases. But outside those two, uh, Negron, who just was acquired by the Mariners, the Dodgers just picked him up. Uh, he has some speed. But outside those three guys, there's really not a whole lot of guys that can really steal your base. And that's been a lost art. And I think that's really hurt the game of baseball. You know, there's not much action anymore. It's either a home run, a walk, or a strikeout. You know, gone are the the, really high-contact guys that can steal you a base. And and that was exciting. I mean, I grew up watching this game of baseball. I love seeing Ricky Henderson do his thing on the bases. Tim Raines. You know, I love Eric Davis with the power, but also stealing bases uh, to go along with the power. I I miss watching players uh, run the bases like that. Yeah, I know when there was a fast runner on base. I mean, it would, it would change how you pitch. It changed your, your rhythm, your mechanics. It, it got you off balance. And, and, you know, I think if, if that's eliminated and you don't have to worry about it as a pitcher, it was, it's so much easier to just, all right, I'm going to do a high leg kick and go after the batter. So, you know, when I got a fast guy, if you were on base or like you said, I faced Ricky Henderson. If Ricky was on base, it was like, oh, man, I got to change my game up. And it, it disrupts everything. So, yeah, but I think you're right. It's just it's the way baseball is. There's so much analytics now. There's so much data. And it's just guys are sitting back and they're trying to hit homers. And that's, you know, that's the way the, the, the landscape of baseball is now. Um, Jerry, speak this weekend, what do you think about the pitching matchups? Um, pretty, good, pretty good guys running out there. Saturday, it's Ryu against Paxton. Then it's uh, Gonsolin against Sabathia. And then Sunday, big matchup, Kershaw versus Herman. Um, what, do you think, well, what do you think of that matchups are looking like? Uh, I think it's going to be very exciting. You know, I think I would give the edge pitching-wise to the Dodgers. The Dodgers have been outstanding, uh, especially their starting pitching. And we've had a plethora of, of starters, you know, really do, do a great job. You know, Rich Hill went down. What do we do? We bring up Gonsolin, who's been outstanding. 
in his uh, uh, first couple starts uh, as a rookie. He's got electric stuff. And Ryu will be the Cy Young Award winner. He has been that good, that elite. He started the All-Star game for the National League. And, oh, by the way, uh, to close out the series, Clayton Kershaw uh, against one of the young young guys. Uh, you know, CeCe Zabathy is always fun to watch. He'll go Saturday as well for the Yankees. And uh, I think it'll be fun all, around, all the way around to see how these pitchers attack both lineups. But as you know, you know, you can make one mistake – you know, before before you know it, with this lineup, it could be three nothing. You know, uh, so you have to make sure you pitch down in the zone. It's going to be kind of cool to see these pitchers, these pitchers attack these hitters. Absolutely, and I think I think the Dodgers and the Yankees. It's I think they match up so similar in terms of what's going on. There's been a lot of injuries, a lot of guys out, but these guys that have taken their places are producing, which I think is going to ultimately, when it comes down to the playoffs and and the rosters, is going to. Josh and I have been talking about it like back and forth. Like there's so many good players. People are going to be left off the rosters. And I think they're both in the same situation. So uh, they're both exciting, fun teams to watch. And I think it's going to be, there's going to be some pitching duels. And I think there's going to be some offense that's, that throws up some runs in a few, in a couple of the games. Let me ask you about that, Jerry. We printed out the roster and there's 17 position players right now that are, that are legitimately in, in contention for a playoff roster spot for the Dodgers and 16 pitchers if you count Rich Hill and Ross Stripling who are hopeful to get back. I'm looking – so first, first question is, what's the normal ratio uh, on a 25-man playoff roster uh, for position players versus pitchers in your mind? Well, it, it'll vary uh, a player or two, but normally in a, in a five- to seven-game series, uh, they would carry 13 pitchers, possibly 12, and vice versa with position players. You know, it depends. Like, it, it, a guy like Heath Hernandez, who can play so many different positions, he, he affords you the opportunity to carry that ex- extra pitcher, you know, on a roster. So it, it's, it's going to be such a difficult job for the front office so and the manager, Dave Roberts, to, uh, you know, to, to find out what's the perfect – match as far as who we're going to keep on from the position player side and who's going to be our, our starting three or top three or four starters. And then we go for to the bullpen. So uh, I would say around 12, 13 pitchers. And then once you got your pitching rotation set up, then you go, uh, then you go to the position player side and see how they match up. Yeah. I'm looking at the list here that we came up with. And if, so if we use 12 or 13 and, and if David freeze is healthy on the list, I have, he's on the roster. Yeah, he's for sure. So on the list I have, you have Beatty getting that 12th spot because you need a second left-handed bat on the bench, okay? Which, which, means, which means 13, 14, and 15 are CT3, Jed Jerko, and Negron. And I'm going, this is crazy that those guys yeah. wouldn't be on the playoff roster well, if everybody's healthy. But you, ha- you well, have to. CT3 will be on for sure if he's yeah. healthy. CT3 will be on for sure. And, and that's that why does- it gets so tricky. And that's what that does is it, it, it means you only have one, one or zero left-handed pinch hitters on the bench if you're starting all your lefties. So many decisions to be made. It's crazy. But you have to think. I'm glad way, I'm not making that decision. Right. The way Doc uses the bullpen come the playoffs, you know, you have to have a heavy-loaded, you know, pitching staff because yeah. he's not afraid to match up come the fourth inning if the game's on the line and he thinks the situation is, hey, we got, we got to stop it and we got to try to win the ball game right here. And, and he's done that the last two years. So – got to have enough arms down there to be able to last a whole series so let's talk about and that's why go ahead go ahead jay 
Well, and that's why you carry guys like CT3 and Kike Hernandez, because it gives you that versatility. Those two guys can practically play anywhere, and they afford you that opportunity to carry that extra arm. You know, so I think that's what they're going to they're going to make sure you keep CT3 and Kike on the roster. So let's talk about those the, the a short series. You go three starters: Kershaw, Rio, Bueller, and if Hill's healthy, then you throw him in uh, as a pitcher as well because he was arguably the best pitcher in the playoffs last year. But look at this. So you guys just said 12 pitchers. Let's assume Hill's not healthy. Here's your bullpen and decisions to be made. Again, you have Jansen, Kelly, Baez, Urias, Kolarik, Gimme Garcia. We haven't even gotten to Dustin May. We haven't even gotten to Gonsolin. We haven't gotten to Floro yet. It's crazy the decisions are going to have to be made. But that's good. That's good. That's a good problem to have. I mean, that's that's a great problem to have. That is a yeah. great problem to have. And I really believe they're going to take a, a strong look at Gonsolin and May because both those guys have incredible, incredible stuff. And, you know, stuff plays as far as velocity and movement. That plays uh, in the postseason. So a guy like May, who's a starter, a guy like Gonsolin, who's a starter, if you ask them to go out there and run, run it up there for an inning, they can top out around 99 miles an hour with some movement, both those guys. Well, I think so about, I really believe those two guys are going to get a long looks uh, the next month or so. Well, I think about the Angels back in the day, Rodriguez, when he came up to close. He was a September call-up. Oh, yeah. he, he was a September call-up, came up, dominated the last month of the season. He was a close for the Angels in the World Series. I mean, so you're right. I mean, electric, electric stuff like that could play. No question about it. And that's why those guys are up now, and, and they want to see what they got. And so far, especially Gonsolin, he has not disappointed. Hey, Jerry, there's something that happened this year. One of the things I love about baseball is, is you guys, you played every day of your lives for 20-some years, maybe longer, and something new happens almost every day that you've never seen before. And this year, Kenley Jansen apparently talked to the coach about it ahead of time and then went to the umpire and said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to box so this guy can go from second to third because he didn't want him picking off his signs. As a, as a, as a base stealer yourself, how would that have made you feel? Didn't you want to earn third base at least? Well, I, I was definitely – I'm glad you brought that up because I was def, definitely taken, taken back by that. I've never seen that or yeah, heard crazy. that. It's crazy, right? That just goes to show how intelligent Kenley Jansen is and how aware he is that possibly a team was stealing signs. And you know what? I'd rather give up that base than give up a two or three on homer, you know? Uh, and have the or she would give up a two run over, have that runner move from second to third base. Um, that way, he's assured that hey, he's not uh, relaying signs, and he can go out there and, and and make his pitches. So it just goes to show how these ball players are very intelligent, intelligent players, not just physical freaks. Are they are they smarter than we were when we played? Ah, uh, you know what? I don't think they were smarter than we were. They have more information than we did. That that's absolutely you know, true. I think it, it, it's it's that could be a good thing, and that also could be a bad bad thing. You know, sometimes too much information can kind of paralyze your performance. If you're an athlete, it depends on the, it. Just depends on the on the player. So you know, there's some guys quick, that ahead, didn't want to really didn't want didn't want to know the science. Because they wanted to be natural. They wanted to be able to go up to the plate and say, you know what, I'm just going to react to what I see. Because if I know it's coming, coming, I'm going to get too big, and I won't be able to perform. So it just depends on the player. 
question. I'm going to throw one more question at you. I'm actually going to ask Brett to answer it too. And then Brett's got like a rapid fire series for you. Uh, Jerry, what you don't know is that Brett and I, even though we grew up together and we've been buddies and, and we text and chat, we only saw each other twice for about four or five years. And both times it was in the uh, bathroom at Dodger Stadium during the World Series and playoffs. We just happened to be like, hey, man, what's up? Because I was wearing my Luke jersey and he saw it. But, but I, I know he was there and I know you were watching because you're a fan and an anchor. I want to ask you guys, without putting you too much on the spot, what, what's the likelihood, give me a percentage, that the Houston Astros were picking off signs in the World Series? And I'm not making excuses. I'm just curious because there's a lot of people that said the only way you score nine runs off of Clayton Kershaw is if you know what's coming. If you had to put a percentage on it, what do you think? Hmm, that's a good one. I, me personally, being a pitcher, um, I never really – and you can say it as a, as a position player, Jerry – I never really thought guys were stealing signs. I, I always thought if guys were doing stuff, they were stealing locations or pitchers were tipping signs. To, to realize signs from second base, I mean, I had a pretty good flow with the catcher where we could mix things up on the go. So I always worried about location. I wanted my catcher setting up as late as they could so a guy couldn't just flash a finger or a hand or move a leg where he knew it was inside or outside. But I never really worried about sign stealings. I worried about more about tipping my pitches. Well, then I'll, I'll answer it. I know 100% fact what the Astros are doing now. One of my good friends is Alex Cora, and I played on <laughs> nine different teams. And the best, play, best player I ever played with as far as seeing uh, pitchers, tip pitches, was Alex Cora. They had Clayton Kershaw, and they had um, uh, Hugh Darvish. Oh, Both yeah, Hugh Darvish. Both those guys were tipping their pitches, and Cora got them. And he related to the to the other other uh, hitters, and they're able to sit on certain pitches, uh, and, and be able to square them up. So I think that's what it was. They weren't they weren't stealing signs. Uh, the pitchers were tipping their pitches, and big league hitters when they have it, they uh, they take advantage of it. I remember I was playing against the Yankees and Contreras, Jose Contreras, the Cuban pitcher uh, who pitched for the White Sox and the Yankees. He would tip his pitches. And I remember I got those pitches, and I had really good success against him because I knew what was coming. Uh, and I'll tell you what, when you know what's coming as a hitter, your confidence skyrockets, and yeah. you're able to score a lot of stuff. Uh, the two best I ever saw that I played with was uh, Jim Edmonds and Eduardo Perez. Those guys were – I mean, they would say, hey, watch, he's doing this, and I couldn't see it. But they would, they would tell me every single pitch that was being thrown. Enough that Eduardo Perez was three for five off three, two home runs. And then he signed a bat uh, when we played together. It said, uh, thanks, for the, uh, thanks for the home runs. P.S. Keep tipping your pitches. <laughs> so there, 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 there are some there, – yeah. And Eduardo and, and I play together a couple different places. So, but there are, there are hitters that are that good that they can see the slightest of glove movement or how much you raise – I used to tip my changeup. I'd go high on my fastball and out of the stretch, and on my changeup I would be about half the distance. And I knew it, wow. and sometimes I couldn't change it. And you still know it. It's a, it's a hard thing to change. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's that's what I worry about. Well, pitchers are usually creatures of habit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So they love their patterns they, because they're comfortable. They're comfortable doing certain things. And as hitters, you're aware of that and try to pick up on certain tendencies. 
I read a whole article this year where about Ross Stripling telling the reporter how he was tipping pitches last year. So he needed to change. I'm all, hey, Ross, it's good that somebody told you and you recognized it. But do you really want to throw it out there for the whole world to know what they were at one point in time? So Brad, Brad Penny was like that in L.A. He used to tip his split. And we would tell him, Brad, you're tipping your split. We can see it. And he's like, I don't care. And st- <laughs> people still couldn't hit it. That was when he started the All-Star game and had like a 1-8 at the break. He didn't care because he's like, I don't care if they know it. I'm throwing it anyways. But. So, all right, Jerry, we'll, we'll let you go. You've been great um, hanging out with us. Uh, I'm going to do a little uh, 10 fastballs at you, a little rapid fire, real quick, easy. You can, you can give me a little one sentence afterwards, but just, just something so the fans get to know you a little bit. So, number one, hamburgers or tacos? Tacos. L.A., Arizona. You have houses. LA. Okay. Uh, night game, day game? Night game. Bat flip or hit the ball and keep your head down? Uh, bat flip. Ah, that's, I, I knew you were going to say bat flip. <laughs> uh, pitcher hit or DH? Oh, this is a tough one because uh, <laughs> I like it how it is. National League, pitcher hit, DH for the American League. Well, I mean, that's how it is, but you got to pick one. That's, that's what I said. Okay, pitcher hit. Okay. Shift or no shift? No shift. Broadcaster, manager? Broadcaster. Okay. Uh, if you could pick one and be successful at it, like you, you did with your baseball, would it be basketball or baseball? Baseball. Baseball's our first love. Okay. Kobe or LeBron? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Setup question. Oh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with NBA players say. <laughs> NBA players say, I, got, I have a lot of friends out of the NBA. Kobe. Kobe or Jordan? Jordan. Everybody says Jordan. Of course. Uh, people don't know. Jerry, Jerry's a Chicago boy, two-time All-State basketball player in high school. So, yeah, I, we, we give you we, – we go back and forth about Jordan and LeBron. But, um, Jerry, man, I appreciate you coming on. If people want to follow Jerry, he's at TheRealJHare on Twitter and, and Instagram. But, man, I hope you come back on the show, man. I hope we get to go hit the, the golf ball pretty soon. But really appreciate, really appreciate you coming on our show, man. Anytime, Brett and Josh, and of course, hey, you know I'm up for golf anytime. So hit me up and let's let's tee it up. All right, buddy, we appreciate it. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate all the hard work you do on the show, on the post game show, and we'll keep watching. Sounds good. Thanks again. So, Brett, as Jerry hangs up, let's keep talking about. So, hey, by the way, that was some of the greatest uh, conversation that I. This is what I love about doing a show with a former player and having other former players on. And I've said this before. I'd ask my brother, hey, what do you think about the Dodgers and the playoffs? And he'd say something that wouldn't have been in the top 100 theory of topics that I would have thought of. And you guys just see the game so differently. And to hear you talk about um, tipping pitches more, more so than stealing signs, talk a little more about that. And, you know, our, our listeners may not have known that Kenley, for the first time anybody had ever heard of earlier this year, went to the pitching coach and said, hey, next time we got a two or three run lead, and I got one or two outs, and there's a runner on second, I'm just going to give him third because I don't care about that run. I care about getting one more out. And the, and the coach gave him the nod to do that, and sure enough, he did it. And if you didn't see that, it was fascinating. And you heard Jay Harris say it. He'd never heard of that. And that's why I wanted to ask he and Brett how that made them feel. Yeah, I, I've never heard of it either. I've never seen it. I wouldn't even really think of doing that. So uh, most closers just do a high leg kick. They don't even worry about it. Trevor Hoffman was like that. He'd do a lot high leg kick. If you want to steal second and steal third, he didn't care. 
So to have that awareness when you're out there in a crucial game and a crucial situation, I mean, the ninth inning, there's no bigger pressure. And to be thinking that in the back of your mind, I mean, it's a pretty amazing thing to, to go out there and do that. But yeah, and that was, I mean, Jerry hit on the head and that's, I, I never, I ne there was only, Alex Rodriguez was the only one that I ever saw come back into the clubhouse and look, look at the video for signs. But uh, a buddy of mine is, is a coach uh, in the big leagues and they actually, there's programs now that they can do like pitch sequences. They can put like three pitch sequences into a computer and there's an algorithm that will tell you exactly what their signs are. That's great. It's that advanced. So, but if the catcher and the pitcher are doing a good job and have a good system where you can change your signs or touches or flashes. I mean, if you watch, if you watch a major league baseball game and you're not really paying attention, but watch when there's a guy on second base, watch the catcher. He may do three taps before he puts any signs down, which is telling him, Hey, you know, they might have it. Hey, tech second tap means this. And then they put the signs down and it could mean third sign or sign after two, or there was a whole bunch of different stuff that the old school was like, whatever the outs were plus one would be the sign. So if there's one out, it was the second sign, but hitters have gotten onto that so much that, that they knew that, but I never, I never worried about a guy stealing what pitch it was. It was always location. And if I was tipping pitches all the time, such a, uh, an awesome topic and, and yeah, um, for Kinley to do that, uh, what a crazy thing. So what else did Jay Hare talk about that either surprised you or you hadn't heard before, Brett? Um, I just like, I like listening to Jerry. Um, he's very insightful. He watches the game. Um, you know, and, he, and he's living it. He's living Dodger baseball right now. Every day, pregame and postgame, he's at the field. So he's got, he's got his finger on the pulse of everything going on. And, and Jerry, Jerry and I have been friends for a long time. And, and like I said, that's kind of how this podcast even started was him, you know, calling me and saying, hey, I want to introduce you to friends. So uh, hopefully he's going to be a reoccurring guest that's going to come on all the time and kind of kind of give us some insight of what's going on with maybe matchups or, or just day-to-day -day stuff. But you know, I, I, everything he says is interesting to me because he just, he's got, he's been around the game so much. And I think it's like this guys that were, they're not your superstars. They're not your guys that go out there every day and just, I mean, are amazing all the time. Like Jerry was a grinder, Jerry grind, Jer Jerry, he knew how to play the game. He was like who he was talking about, like a CT3 guy and a, and a, a Kiki Hernandez that could play different positions that could fill in places and just could get it done. So when it comes to, playing second base or playing outfield or playing third. Jerry did it. So he knows what's going through those guys' heads or what. He would have fit in perfectly to the Dodgers right now, right? Right. No, no, so no. Many he'd, those guys. He'd, he'd be perfect. He'd make the playoff roster because he's versatile. And, 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 you know, he did it for a long time. He did it very well. And he's, he's a very smart guy. So it's, I, love, I love listening to him. And, and I'm going to love having him on the show as often as we can get him. So in the last few minutes here, I want to go back to that conversation. And, you know, you, you hit it on the head of the nail. CT3 – came off of the DL and had a huge game in his first game. He had a good game in his second game. And when you look at the playoff roster, if they're only going to keep 12, okay, if Freeze is healthy, which he automatically, because he's that veteran presence, hit home runs in the World Series, got rings, there's no question Freeze is on the team. But as you look at the starting lineup, that leaves, if, if Jay Harris saying CT is a slam dunk, he's on the team, well, then one of these guys is not. Beatty, Verdugo, or Pollock? 
it, th there's no way around it. it because if you're only keeping 12 guys and you guys can can disagree that's why we bring this show to you but if you're keeping 12 the numbers are the numbers there's no way around it because you do your starting lineup you got to have your backup catcher and by the way brett we got to put this for a show we do have an extra pitcher in the dugout <laughs> it's russell martin that guy's pitched two yeah. innings this year and gotten six out six outs thrown over his, his, his whips like 0. 0.33 or something it's ridiculous well you were in last year's world series we went to like 2 a.m right we needed a good, him. <laughs> good little cutter up there i mean he's got it's got he might be their best pitcher out of the bullpen uh without saying uh, nothing against everyone else but but Russ is getting it done. So yeah, he's been dealing, man. So hey, uh, going into the weekend series, Yankees at Dodgers. Which, by the way, is there a better series, whether it's in New York or, or LA, than the Yankees Dodgers? Okay, guys, there's either going to. So the Dodgers are up one game, and we're we're taping this show on on uh, what's today Thursday. So the Dodgers are up one game right now, which means they're either going to be tied up to, or uh, what did I miss here? Up to or tied or or down one. Help me with the math. Here. If they win today, if they both win today, they're up by one. If the, the Yankees lose, Dodgers win, they're up by two. And uh, you guys do the math. The point is they're neck and neck for the best record. And, guys, what have we learned the last two years in the World Series? we got to have home field advantage. Brett, how important is home field advantage in the playoffs in the World Series? Well, I mean, I mean, that one extra game. I mean, when it, comes down to, when it comes down to it, you're on your home turf. So, I mean, teams can win on the road, but it's just – you know, it's, there's a comfort thing about being home. You're in your routine, you're at your house, you know, you get up, you go to your favorite, you know, breakfast joint, and then you go to the field. So there's, and you, and you have the fans, you have the fans behind you. So it's not impossible to, to, to win on the road, but it's, it's nice to have that home field advantage. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a tight race, you know, down the road. I would love to see a Yankee Dodger matchup just cause it, you know, I, I, I think about baseball. I think about like the really cool moments and, you're talking about two teams historically that have, you know, just tons and tons of World Series. Um, you know, it, it would be exciting. The, the Yankees and the Dodgers have met in 11 World Series, um, four since uh, L.A. Has, has moved from Brooklyn. But, you know, that, that's, a lot, that's a lot of times to meet up in the World Series. Unfortunately, the Yankees have, have won eight of the 11. Um, but, you know, the last one, the Dodgers won in 1981. So, I mean, there's just a lot of history around the two organizations. Um, and it, it's just, it's fun baseball. I'm sure, I'm sure the TV and the, and the ratings were, are pushing for that, but a lot can happen. You get to the world series or the playoffs, you don't, you know, like we talked about shows before, not always the best team wins. So it'd be really cool to see two of the best teams in major league baseball, get to the final, you know, show and do it. So I took my pen out and did the math, Brett, during, during your answer there. They're either going to be even, Dodgers up by one, or Dodgers up by two games going into the series this weekend. Hey, uh, you know who, um, who home field advantage makes a, a huge difference for this season is Walker Bueller. He's 5-0 yeah. and oh and lights out at home. And you and I have talked before about how the Dodgers are going to structure their um, – their pitching lineup in the World Series and playoffs. And, and you've been adamant that, hey, um, veteran Kershaw, he's got to be the number one. But that mean, makes Doc stop and think that, well, gosh, I guess Bueller is number two. And that puts the Cy Young winners as number three if you have home field. What do you think about that? But tell us your perspective on that. I mean, that that's the way I think I would do it, which is it was a tough thing to say that you may take – you know, a Cy Young award winner and put him, you know, start in game three. But, you know, Kershaw's not having that – his season's not that far off of, of Ryu's. I mean, Kersh is 13-2 and two and, and Ryu's 12-3. and three. So it's not that. And, and ERA is a little bit different about a run. But, 
they're both having phenomenal seasons. So it's a coin flip who you start. So I think you got to give it to the veteran. The guy that's been there is, is, is quite possibly the best pitcher, a Dodger pitcher of all time. You know, it's, it's so one let's of those close things. on that though. Okay. So Bueller's lights out at home as good as the other two statistically. Right. And on the road, he struggled. So if you're making that, if everybody's on same day's rest and it's world series time, putting you on the spot here, your home field advantage games, one and two at home, three, four and five on the road. What's your rotation? Oh gosh. I, I'm anyway, going, hey, we're going to ask you this again in a week so you can change right, your mind. Right. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it would be, gosh, I, that's a good question. I mean, if you're putting me on the spot, I'm going Kershaw. Um, I'm going Bueller second game and then Ryu on the road. Well, and if they're, if look, if we don't have home field advantage and it changes, right? The whole point right, is absolutely. the home field advantage stat is the one that's jumping off the page more than any other stat at this point. Right? And it comes down to a little bit. If doc wants to go lefty, lefty, righty, or if he wants to split the left handers, or if it doesn't make a difference to him, if he, if it doesn't make a difference to him and he wants to throw, you know, the two big guns, you know, Kershaw and, the, and maybe the Cy Young award winner. Yeah. I mean, you're not losing out either way. I mean, you know, come the playoff time, Walker Bueller's got to be like, hey, he's got to he's got to go into it like it's a home game. Yeah, he's on the road and, and have the mindset. It doesn't matter where I'm pitching. It's sixty feet six inches. Let's get after it. Crazy with all the stats that you, especially if you're a fantasy geek like me, that you look at with pitchers all year long. You watch every game. The one that's jumping off the page and giving you a pit in your stomach is home versus away with your number three starter. No disrespect, Walker's been as good as our number one at certain times in the last couple of years. But it's crazy how that's the stat that's probably giving, keeping you up at night most. So, hey, guys, I want to uh, wrap this show up. Brett, thanks so much for all the insight and for having and uh, reaching out to Jay, Har Jay Harrison, having him on. Um, this is the Dodger Dudes podcast, episode three, by far the funnest yet, Brett. Thanks so much for all that you contributed today as well. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's always fun. All right, guys, we'll, we'll talk in, in a couple days. Uh, hey, uh, answer the poll question. We've had fun with uh, Dustin May and Gonsolin and Stripling, who's going to be on the playoff roster. We'll throw another one up there based on today's show. And we love the feedback we're getting on Twitter and on Facebook at The Dodger Dudes, uh, Dodger Singular, The Dodger Dudes on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Dodger Dudes show with the former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and Josh the Duker Luke. Whether you're at the stadium, on your couch, or at work, don't forget to interact with the hosts on social media at the Dodger Dudes on Twitter and Facebook. That's the Dodger Dudes on both Twitter and Facebook. Check out other SoCal sports podcasts at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Now go vote on our Twitter and Facebook fan poll and tune in again soon. Game on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.